Welcome back to Pastor Potluck. It's been a while since we've done one of these things. I'm Court Green, and Peter Constantin, whose voice you would normally be hearing right now saying his name, is not with us. Until the flood crisis has completely abated, I think Peter is going to be gone from our show. He, he wants to keep going, and I will tell you that I am not some jerk that does this without him. I have talked to him, and he wants me to push ahead, and therefore... I am, but last time I did one by myself, it was kind of irritating for me because I'm used <laughs> to talking with other people, uh, and so I am going to not do that because if I do that, it's not Pastor Potluck, it's Pastor Main Course, and that's silly, and so I do have a friend and pastor with me today. You've met him before. Ladies and gentlemen, I am going to introduce now Gordon Pike. Gordon, remind the good people who you are. Hello, I'm Gordon Pike, and uh, I pastor out at Beaver Dam United Methodist Church, and I'm pastor at Canton First United Methodist Church. Okay, and we are in the office of Canton First Baptist Church because, you know, after doing this for a year and a half or something, I figure I remind you where I work as well. Hmm. All right, so Gordon and I have talked about what we're going to talk about uh, to, to some degree. We want a naturally flowing conversation, but... Um, as you remember, we like to talk about things from the lectionary, and, because that's kind of how this started. And so today we have chosen Job. And a little background on the book of Job. It is one of the oldest books as far as when it was written that we have. Chronologically, as you read through the Bible, it's not first or anything, but it's one of the older books, theoretically, that we have. you got a, a, a hot debate going over whether it was Job or Jeremiah, but they're very similar. In fact, one probably influenced the other, depending on which one you think was done first. Both of these come out of this this disaster where the kingdom of Judah has been taken over by the Babylonians. People are being carted off and held captive against their will, and that is the situation into which the book is written. And so you start to wonder after these disasters, this important question, why? And so you have Job, and you know, none of that's in here. But as you read through the book, you get essentially you come to this answer that sometimes stuff just happens, and sometimes it happens to you. So in the opening chapter of, of Job, you have an interesting view of Satan, actually the Satan, because in, in Hebrew it's ha-satan. And he doesn't look like the Satan that you are used to if you get your theology from movies. And he doesn't look like the Satan in the New Testament. He's this weird, different character. He's like a heavenly prosecutor, right? Yeah, he's actually was an angel. Well, something like that. Yeah. Uh, he, he searches the earth for people doing wrong and goes and runs and reports it to God. And then God asks, well, what about my boy Job? And then all well I guess all hell breaks loose and <laughs> eventually all this horrible stuff starts happening to Job and he's got some friends and at first they do the right thing they come and sit with him and what do they say at first they try to console him they say nothing oh that's right they, they do. They and, and that's the right thing to do yeah. because they just sit with him and listen but then they get a little bit too much like most of us and they start having having to um, 
bow to their desire to come up with answers and solutions, essentially offering answers to the questions that weren't asked. <laughs> and uh, so eventually Job has had enough, and, and as we wade through endless speeches from friends and the wife of Job, we get Job 23, 1 through 9. I'm going to read it now. It says, well, it starts with Job answered, and I'll read that again in a minute, but he's answering his friend Eliphaz. 23, 1 through 9 says, Then Job answered, Today also my complaint is bitter. His hand is heavy despite my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his dwelling. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would learn what he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No, but he would give heed to me. There an upright person could reason with him, and I should be acquitted forever by my judge. If I go forward, he is not there, or backward, I cannot perceive him. On the left side, he hides, and I cannot behold him. I turn to the right, but I cannot see him. That is Job 23, 1 through 9. Summarize that for us, would you? <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I'll summarize it this way. My, you know, uh, my, my dad's not the only one, but there are so many people that will say to me, and they say it very flippantly, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God. Like God's sitting on his throne, and he's this cosmic Santa Claus, and there's this line, and, and then you come and sit on his lap like he's, uh, and then he says, well, come, my little child, what was your beef with how I did things? And then he's going to sit there and listen to this stuff. And then you smile and get your picture taken in God's yeah. lap. Yeah. Or he says, you know, I hadn't thought of it that way. Or like in his case, well, you know that thing I did to you? You're right, it was wrong. Yeah. Or, but, and, and it just signifies to me the human e ego that, that somehow we, we not only want an explanation, mm -hmm. he owes us one. Well, how many pe people, well, and I'm sorry, not people, although we are people too, but how many pastors have put the idea into our parishioners' heads that we are the center of God's universe. <laughs> and I'm probably guilty of that at some point. I don't think I've ever come out and said that before, but I've probably said things that would lead people to that conclusion. But it shouldn't be shocking that we think God's got nothing better to do than answer our questions. <laughs> and when I have questions, I find myself very much like Job because I want them answered. And when I'm wondering why things are going this way, when I think they should be going that way, it doesn't take much for me to go from curiosity to frustration to anger that, number one, things aren't going the way I want them to go, and then number two, I don't have a reason. And I think in the void of reason, we have to have faith. But go on. I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, no, not at all. This is all part of this. But, but stop and think about this for a second. Again, we, we, I'm willing to suffer if I have a reason to suffer. Mm -hmm. But faith says maybe I suffer and I don't need to know the reason. Mm -hmm. That God has a purpose and a plan that's really faith, right? It's not faith if I know the answer. Correct. It's only faith if I persevere. And it's easy to say this until you're in it. But but at some point, 
you have to kind of say to yourself, you know what, God is God and I'm not, and, and maybe there's a reason for this, and that's the faith part. But you notice that in, in this, and, and particularly in, in he, he constantly goes back and forth on this prosecutorial or courtroom language. Yeah. Because we, especially for us, and not so much in, well, even in their day, maybe perhaps when this was written, this idea that I'm going to get a fair trial, mm-hmm. that I insist on a fair trial. And yet, when you look in, in there and stuff, a lot of times there's all these rules and stuff about, you know, the two witnesses and, and the heinousness of bribes and everything like that is that, in a way, we don't get that on earth. But again, I see that, per, that, that courtly language that, that says that I'm going to get a hearing. Yeah. And that God's going to be fair and listen to me. I want and I'm going to process. And I and and it, and then I wanted to and then somehow when I get the answer, oh, well, that all makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one of the things that I love about this, in the midst of this courtroom drama language, this demand for a hearing, uh, the it's in our constitution, the right to a quick and speedy trial. Or that's not it. Fair and speedy. I don't know. Speedy's in there. Yeah, it's in there. Uh, but but the right to a trial. Um, and then speedy is relative. So some people sit in jail for like seven years. Oh, well, it's faster than 100 years. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, in the midst of this, Job has like this, his, his own reality check with himself. It's like he knows that he's not going to get the answers. Six, uh, verse six, would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No, but he would give heed to me. And I think there's something very human in that. I mean, he was a human. But there's something very human in that desire. Would that change anything? Maybe. Maybe not. But sometimes we just want to be heard. Sometimes we just want to know that someone's listening. Sometimes, dare I say, because this is not really me, but for a lot of people, we don't care if things get fixed. As long as people will hear what we're going through, one of the one of the things that we've started to have to do in my marriage is Christy knows to preface something with "I don't want you to fix it, but because a lot of times she'll she'll want to tell me something because something's on her mind, something's bothering her. It may be something I've done. It may be something someone else has done. It may be something no one's done, just a gripe with the world. And she wants to talk about it, but she knows me enough to know that while she's talking, I am listening mostly, but my wheels are spinning. And Gordon did the the international sign of moving your hand around your ear to show your wheels are spinning in your, in your mind. It could also mean that he was calling me crazy. I don't no, know. No, no, no. But she knows that my wheels are spinning, and and in my mind, no matter what she's saying, I'm trying to come up with the quick fix, and if not that, then the then the longer term fix, and just make the problem disappear. And sometimes people don't need that; they need to be heard. And so I I would not be a a good if were I in the case of God, I wouldn't I wouldn't be the one to give Job what he's asking for but that that desire to just be heard that desire to know that someone's listening to you that desire to know that your complaints matter and your your pain matters your experience matters that you're a valid person who has feelings that matter that exists within us 
And, you know, I guess even though I'm, I really suck at, at, at giving her that, now when she does say don't fix it, but here's what I want to say, I've, I've trained myself to listen, and I don't mind doing it, but I just need to know, okay, I'm not fixing this time. <laughs> but anyway, were I in the place of God to Job, I would suck at it. But at the same time, I need that too. I need to know that someone's listening. I need to know that someone cares enough to, to give me their time. And we all need to get things off of our chest. Maybe that's what therapy's for. But what Job shows us later is that God eventually does do it. Gordon, does it change anything? Actually, it does. Hold on. Not at first. Because uh, before we started recording, we were talking. And do you remember what God's answer was? Yeah, but his answer, and that's what's interesting about this, is so many times we, we, when we get the answer, you know, I used to look at the, well, I'll jump ahead. I used to look at, like, back in the old days, but pre-Christian and all that stuff, I used to read this stuff so I could challenge Christians and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always saw him as beaten down. Job? Yeah. Okay. That he walks away beaten down. But in reality, he got his answer, which is, and, and stop and think about it. Now, he, he, it sounds very put down in, well, where were you, do you know how deep the ocean is? Do you know where the snow starts? Do you know when the fawn's cavern? And that sounds very demeaning, but then it realized what God is saying to him, you, Job, don't have to worry about those things. Yeah. See, you're over here yakking at me and stuff like that, and I hear you and I understand you. But here, you know what? Even if you don't see or hear what I'm doing, know that I'm doing things beyond your comprehension. Yeah. And that you don't need to worry about all those things. If you trust me and you have faith in me. Yeah. And so I see him now walking away with this friend said, humbled. But not in a negative way, like, oh, I'm a worm. Mm-hmm. But simply like, yeah, you know, God, you're right. You know, first of all, little me trying to get answers to questions. You know what I'm trying to say? Sometimes the questions are beyond our, our capability yeah, and, even and to ask. It's almost like with Moses, right? Moses says, well, hey, can I have a little glimpse of you? And he says, no, your head would explode, right? You yeah. know, if you saw him, it's the same thing. If I answered you, so let's say I go to heaven and I say, hey, God, give me the answers. He's like, you wouldn't understand them if you got them anyways. Yeah. yeah. So why not be okay with that? I do understand. So when I'm praying, there is someone that knows where the fawns are, when the fawns are born. There is someone that knows how much, how deep the ocean is to the millimeter. Mm-hmm. And he's running things. So you mentioned uh, the friend that had said to be humble. We didn't read that part, so I'm going to give the Well, I didn't want to get his name wrong again. <laughs> Eliphaz, but sorry. Right. I want to keep going. Uh, Eliphaz, in, the, in, the, in chapter 22, had essentially told Job, you need to be a little more humble because obviously you've done something wrong or a just God would not punish you. And so that's where where Gordon was coming from with that. You know, we do need to have a little bit more humility. But how arrogant is it that we don't just think, what if I got to ask God this question? And what if I could get an audience with God, quote, when I get to heaven? There's the whole matter of, do we need to wait? But, assuming that was the case, how arrogant is it to us to not just say what if, but people have this expectation. It's not, I hope that at some point I can ask God this. It's, when I get to heaven, assumes I'm going. When I get to heaven, I am going to ask God yeah. this. And God will answer me, because I'm special. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think I think all of us need to be a little bit more humble, myself included. 
So let's back up a little, you know. So Job, Job is sitting there whining about the fact that I'm not getting a hearing. Yes. And he even says, and I love how we get the reverse of Psalm 139, where it's where David says, you hem, you hem me in front and back, left and right. And where can I go to, to get away from mm-hmm. you? Nowhere. If I go to the heights and so forth, then he goes through that. And then we have Job doing the opposite. Well, I don't see you in front of me. I don't see you behind me. And the assumption is sometimes when we're praying, if we don't get, I don't know, the ringing of a bell, tap on the head, that he's not listening. Yeah. And Job assumes that he's not listening. And I think that's the other thing is that God shows up and says, I've been listening. But when when we are in the midst of struggles, even, even the knowledge, like the cognitive understanding that God must be around because we've been convinced before that we've seen God and therefore not seen, but seen the, the results of God, God's presence. We've felt it. So we, we know in our minds that God is there, but in, in the midst of our struggles, it seems like God is distant. And because of that, it becomes even more difficult to quote unquote, hear God's voice or even to sense God's presence because we got our, we're distracted by what we're going through at, at whatever time. And so God does feel distant. And so when you get, I'm going to pull it up so I can make sure I get it right, but uh, uh, eight and nine. If I go forward, he's not there. I go backward, I cannot perceive him. On the left, he hides. I cannot behold him. I turn to the right, I cannot see him. So wherever... God is in the midst of our struggles it just feels as if God's not with us and we can't reach God and, and it, it's almost like we are um, segregated where we cannot have access to God and again while knowing that that's not true it doesn't change the way we feel about it I don't know what do you think yeah but 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 think about it. So how many times, and there's a number of psalms, and you're you're aware of them, where the person's saying, "Look, man, I don't get it. I'm praying, and bad. It keeps getting worse. Yeah. Where are you? You're not listening. But always towards the end of the psalm, what happens? Something happens, and then either the psalmist has an encounter with God, or the psalmist has intense faith that the psalmist will and we i will sing your praises again exactly or i will go to church i will go to the temple and i'll look at court and i'll remember you know court was in this space two years ago and now look at him you see what i'm saying in other words i I can go and hear other people praising god and 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 let that let your faith help me with my faith but again always towards the end of the psalmist like well you know i feel this way Mm -hmm. and i'm thinking this way but faith tells me it's not that way. Yeah, and I think that's that's how you get through that. Well, how do you how do you get there when you're in these holes? I guess these these pits of despair, and you like you just said, faith tells me it's got to be faith that gets you through. But it's so hard to have faith in those moments. Exactly. What, what pulls you back? But see, that's the whole thing that, that, that gets me because faith is easy when things are humming along yeah. or my problems are kind of surfacing. I would surfacing. say that might not even be faith. Yeah, that's when not. When things are great. If I know I'm going to win the lotto, it's not faith. I 
Jewish. But but the idea that I'm saying is that, yeah, faith, we throw that word so casually. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, like you said, it's really, really difficult. It is. Especially when you're in the pit. Yeah. What, what is it that God uses to call Job to account and to, I guess, put him in his place? But what I really am thinking is um, reframe Job's relationship with God towards the end. What images? What category of images? Well, he uses creation images. Bingo. Nature, creation. I think one place that we can go, and I don't mean literally go, although you can. I'm with you. But one thing we can look to, to see evidence of God when our faith is on shaky ground. Because we go to the right, you're not there. Go to the left, you're not there. Go forward, back, you're not there. But we can, we can, I don't want to say always, but almost always, find evidence of God in what God has created. Now that can be other people. That can be the flora and fauna around us. That can be the seasons as they change. That can be the, you can even go cosmic if you want to. And think about how crazy it is that we can be in this Goldilocks zone around a sun and so many other chunks of dirt are just lifeless as they float through the cosmos um and so at at least there's there's creation that we have around us always that can serve as this signpost to get us back to at least the knowledge that god is there and i love that that's what god uses which again we haven't read it today but when when job finally gets this face off that he's demanding in verse six when he does get to pour his heart out to god who gives him heed that's all i could ask for am i gonna convince him nope (laughs) but anyway so in, in lieu of that when we even when we have our 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 moments of I don't want to say faithlessness, but but weak faith, if you want to call it that. How about moments of doubt? Because I don't think doubt is, is the antithesis of faith. But when we have our moments of doubt, and when we feel that God is distant, we at least have something that can bring us back. So, this, and, and like in my own case, so like you said, you know, he says, where is God? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever had this experience, but all of a sudden I'll look around and it's like, where isn't he? And you see what I'm saying when you said the sunset or, you know, something that some just look around you and, and, and see that, you know. But again, you know, and it, this is something that, that I find is interesting is that on the one hand, Job is contending with his friends. But why feel the need to defend yourself unless you do kind of party who agrees that I am being punished? Mm-hmm. Or that I am being sorted out for somehow that this isn't fair. Well, okay. So here's the thing that's interesting to me too is that he and you get you get that kind of division within him because he doesn't just walk away and mm-hmm. say, well, you know, this isn't fair, and you know, I'll go over here and pick some other gods. That's what the other people are doing, right? Yeah. They, you know, and stuff like that. He he sticks in there, but why contend with these guys? So maybe part of his hearing process is that God is giving him his day in court, and the prosecutors are these friends, and, you know, and so 
he, and this is what, to me, this is what God does, right? So you're sitting there and you're praying, you're asking, you don't get answers, and God will kind of lead you into your answer. Okay. So maybe through these friends, he's kind of challenging him. Well, maybe you're this and maybe it's that to get Job to kind of pull Job up to actually answer their by answering them. He's actually answering himself so that he kind of draws him own comes to that point himself. OK, so if I understand you right, you're saying that the friends who are constantly saying, oh, you had to have done something wrong. Then and he's steadfastly saying, no, I didn't. And in that process, he is, even if he is in, internally asking himself, well, maybe I did do something wrong. But through that process of the friends accusing him and him denying it, it's, he's coming to the conclusion that, oh, I didn't. So he's kind of having a trial within his own life. Yeah. That's interesting. I never thought about it like that. And, and, and how many times, you and me, uh, I'll say me, right? Okay. Is that something will go wrong and my first thoughts like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble, mm-hmm. I messed up. Yeah. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Oh, that's my first reaction. Uh, exactly. Anything happens. I'm being punished. Yeah, well, it's, it, my, I don't go to punishment. I go well, to, oh, I've I did up. something wrong. Yeah. And these are the consequences. Okay. And and it's just funny because, you know, when, when you listen to the friends, we want to discount them so much. But a lot of us have that same internal conversation. Maybe I was too proud. We And again, think about this. Okay, so I was too proud. Mm-hmm. And God has to knock me down a peg. Always the, the flesh wanting to find a justification or explanation, even in a negative sense. Yeah. I'm trying to find some reason. Oh, well, this is why this is happening. I was too haughty. I wonder if that's a product of modernity. Because we tend to always want to have the answers, you know. Before modernity, you could just have faith in the Bible. Then modernity comes. We have to have scientific explanations for everything. Right. The ark, well, we haven't found it, so it must not have existed, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I don't mean Noah's ark. I mean the ark of the covenant, but you could go either way with that. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I, I don't know. but um, And I don't know if that's interesting to anybody but me. Now, you mentioned the beginning. And see, that's the that's The beginning me, of what? Of Job. Okay. Which is absolutely fascinating to me. The heavenly council? Or, right. Yeah. So, you remember Paul says, well, you know. Paul was not in the beginning of Job. Go no, ahead. he's not in the beginning of Job. But Paul has this conversation where he's talking about the fact that, we're, you know, there are things in the spiritual world that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Powers and principalities. And that we're involved in something so beyond our understanding, right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't well, that what's happening to Job? Is there's this conversation between God and Satan. Yeah, he's the marionette here. He, he's not in control. And so Job is completely unaware yeah. of, of something that's that, that totally blows me away. People miss this as a beginning. What does God say about Job? Have you seen my... I mean, can you imagine God picking you out? Yes, but that's what... That's, there's two things that drive me crazy about the book of Job. <laughs> and they, they don't sit well with me. And the first one is at the beginning. The second is at the end. That first one is all this stuff he's enduring is a reward, essentially. Because God is saying to the Satan... I bet you, this guy's got it. This guy has done nothing wrong. I bet you can't even make him do anything wrong. I'll pull the gloves off. You go for it. Just don't kill him. So God sick Satan, the Satan, on Job as a reward for how great he is. And yes, the, the thing was don't kill him. That's correct. So 
is do I want to be good? If that's my reward? Second thing, and this is nothing to do with what we were talking about. <laughs> At the end, I think the narrator wants us to think, oh, well, good. God's made everything great again. His kids are still dead. Yeah. That didn't get undone. No, it didn't. So I, those two things do not sit well with me in the book of Job. However, I love the book of Job. Because sometimes we just need to know shit happens. Yeah. Sometimes we need to know that we're not at fault. And that's the point to the whole book. And that we're allowed to say, now, now I want to <clears throat> kind of answer what you're, you're saying here, okay? Because uh, this is why I love this stuff. So, you know, I, I'll use me and my brother, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I, I was a, like, I, I was like a B student. I'd get A's now and then. Mm -hmm. Oh, heaven help me if I got a D or an F, mm -hmm. right? They came down on me with a hammer. And they are? My brother, my parents. Okay. But my brother, he was a screw up. If he got if he got an all C report card, they took him out to dinner. Yeah. And I'm like, what's the deal? It's your starting place, man. What's the deal? And they said, because we expect more from you. Okay. Now, to me, I thought that's not fair. That's not fair. Yeah. You expect more from me. That's my reward. Now, I go to become a Navy SEAL, which, by the way, I'm not. First thing they're going to do is what? When are you out to pick the best? Mm -hmm. Then they're going to put what on you? They're going to put the pressure on you. And the idea of the pressure is that you are going to encounter these things in real life. Now, let's say I make it all the way through SEAL training. I get my little pin. BUDS, isn't that what it's called? Isn't that the acronym for SEAL, SEAL training? BUDS program? I, I don't know. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so I, I get through, I, I, and I'm special. Mm-hmm. Do we get to sit in the barracks and drink beer and show everybody our pin? No, you get to go across the world. To and the get most dangerous. Yeah. That's my reward for being a Navy SEAL. Is I yeah. get to crawl through the dirt and eat locusts for dinner. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And they look at that as hoorah. Yeah. I have been chosen. See now, what makes this even more difficult is that Job doesn't even know that he's been chosen. Correct. Okay. So. See, so, this is something that they wanted. Job is in the midst of something that he didn't ever ask for. Right. Yeah. But again, you know, so, and, and I can tie this all together and stuff. Now, let's take this to the next level. Well, are we back to our Navy example? No. Okay. It's even higher, okay? okay. In Isaiah, one of the, and, and in, even in Jeremiah, you have this issue of, of the Babylonians come, or the Assyrians, take your pick, whatever, and they come and they just whoop up on these people, mm -hmm. tear them up, the, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people. And they're in the exile, and they're, they're, the, the, the leaders are saying, look, you can come back. And they're like, why? What do you mean, why? Like, look, we're God's chosen. And this is what happens to us? Yeah. You know, we get this and that group. They're trying to wipe us out. No, nah, we don't want any more of it. How do you explain that to us? You explain it to us. Well, you're Navy SEALs. You know, we get this idea that because I'm so, God's. So you're in like Ezra Nehemiah now. So let's say, for example, well, I'm talking about like the suffering servant psalms. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Where they're talking about the fact that they're saying, you got the idea because you're God's chosen. You get to sit around in the barracks and drink beer and tell everybody how awesome you are. You're God's chosen, which means you don't get a blank pass. In fact, you are called for the hard job. You are called for, the, for that kind of thing. So in a way, Job kind of represents Israel. Okay. Oh, Job absolutely represents so Israel. So the answer would be faith. And perhaps maybe God has something going on and, and I should be honored that he called me. And how do I at some point I have to get comfortable with the fact that I don't get the answers. 
Right. Yeah. That sometimes, so, and I put this in my own, kind of put it back on me because I'm not a seal or anything like that, but, but God says, you know, so let's say God's got to his chessboard out, mm-hmm. and he says, "Well, you know, I got to have something happen for this person over here." By the here. way, this is a uh, this is a thought exercise. We are not assuming that God has an actual chessboard. No, we don't. But anyway, so well, but let's say God's looking at the map of time, and he says, "You know, I need X to happen, but I'm going to have to move some things around." Yeah, move which some means I'm going to maybe have to put some pressure on Gordon. And he's not going to understand that this thing that I'm doing is going to benefit Y over there. And okay? it may not benefit it for five or six hundred years. Even that. <laughs> and he's going to do what he always does, which is what I call the chicken dance. Why me? The sky is falling. Oh, oh chicken little. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, this is so unfair. Blah, blah, blah. And God just smiles and says, you know, I know you, Gordon, but in the end you'll buckle down and you'll do it. Mm-hmm. And again, my flesh wants to know, well, if I know that there's a reason for it. So when I get to heaven, God then says, well, you know that thing I did to you that time? Well, see, 500 years later, this lady named Maud, no. Which is still going to be a name in 500 years. I'm going to get to heaven and I'm going to be okay with, you know, whatever you did, I'm okay. Because you're God. Mm-hmm. I don't demand an audience. I, I, I'm okay because that's what I'm saying. To absolutely lay down and say that this is God, and if, if I don't, and again, my flesh constantly wants to get in there and go. Well, I okay, God doesn't owe me an audience, but I still want to believe that there's an explanation. Well, Gordon, if you did demand an audience, what Job shows us and Jeremiah shows us, that's okay. Yeah, and God will hear you. <laughs> and God is fine with you unloading. But think about the God. high honor that He gave Job. He does show up. Yeah. And he and he think about, okay, and this is really fascinating to me too, is that when God showed up at Mount Sinai with the lightning and the thunder and everything. With Moses. Yeah, yeah the first stuff. one for the covenant. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was like, uh, you go up there, Moses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. He shows up to Job in a whirlwind in his power. And he and he says, "Fine, you know what? I'll, and I and I got to say, you may not like this part, but one of my favorite part is he says, "Well, here I am." And by the way, and he starts out by saying, "Where were you? Where were you?" And Job says, "Okay, I got." It. And he says, "No, no, 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 no. I listened to you for twenty-something chapters, friend. <laughs> Shut up and listen to me." He still doesn't stop. Yeah, you know, and it's just amazing. Now, here's the beautiful part about this story that I really love the best is the next time that we get a face-to-face with God, he's not in a whirlwind. Yeah. He's in the flesh. Mm-hmm. He's in the flesh. And you saw, <clears throat> we saw what we did with that. You're talking about Jesus. Yeah. Okay, I just want to clarify. Yeah. yeah. You saw what happened. There. Rejected. Yeah, and then, then we had to sh- silence him. Yeah. See, you've never been in the Army. I don't know. Have you been I in? I have not. <clears throat> well, see, I've been in the Army, right? I, I would not do well in the Army. Well... Let's just say it's a one hitch term for me, but, <laughs> but they. But think about this, you know. So, I, I'm in the army and I'm a private, and they tell us we got to go over here and we got to dig this hole. And the whole time I'm digging this hole, I'm like, I don't see why we got to dig this hole and blah 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 blah, because I'm not the general. Yeah. And I have no idea what purpose or point that hole plays in this whole thing, okay? But God does, and so I have to had over time with God, I've had to learn it. Yeah, you know, just dig the hole. Just dig the hole. So, what, what, where, did, where was the hole? 
And what, what was the No, point? I'm just saying, you just, you know. Oh, it's just, just hypothetical? Yeah, okay. and it could be that, that you I thought you tell me an actual story of something no, no, that no, happened no. in the Army. I'm just saying that, you know, that, that well, if you've ever been in the Army, they'll send you places, especially like, you know, in a combat situation where you're sitting there, and you're wondering, well, I wonder why they sent us here, and we don't realize that, uh, uh, that coming down the road or that this thing that you did actually had a part to play. So, you know, for example, you know, we think in terms of, like, uh, the big battles and the guys in the front. Yeah. But there's people that got to deliver the supplies. Supplies, you got to support people. The yeah. ammo, you know, and then have to sit around and wonder what's the point of all of this, you know what I'm saying? And understand that I don't see the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Job doesn't get the whole picture, you know? Yeah, I have, a, I have a friend who's in the Air Guard, and when they send him to Qatar, I know war's coming in a certain region because his job is to get the stuff on the planes and get it to the places. And so I, I don't have to use the news. When they, when they send him, I know that we're going to mm-hmm. be fighting somebody soon because that's what he does. So so we, when we go back to what you were talking about, which is, again, this, this modernity and everything like that, I, you know, it really does, I think, fit in today where people are saying, uh, how many times, and I don't know about you, but, but me, particularly in being recovering, well, I prayed to God and nothing happened, and so I, I'm, you know, I'm done. Well, I have a, a, a very big frustration in the, Oh my gosh, with so many preachers who say, well, prayer works. Or uh, if you pray for, I prayed for this and it worked. My prayer came true. Prayers aren't wishes. That's right. Okay? It works because God's listening. I just just hit the thing. It works because God's listening. When you pray, it works. Okay? And a quote unquote (laughs) answer or. Really, what you mean when you say answer is getting your wish is not prayer working or not working. Prayer is just communication with God. So, and that's what Joe gets here. So, again, the, the, the flesh wants to come in. Mm-hmm. And and how many times have you heard this from a pastor? Well, the answer is no, go, or wait, or whatever. Never is how many times I've heard that. Yeah. You never heard that? No. Well, I, I, maybe I'm phrasing it wrong. So God only has three answers. Okay. Yes, no, or wait. Okay. But then again, that's my my demand to have an answer. Correct. Like you said. And maybe the answer was, yes, like you said, he, he listened. Yeah. And you got it off your, your chest yeah. and stuff. Now, if you look at, like, for example, with some of the with the pagan gods and everything like that, like the way the friends come across and stuff like that is that, you know, their belief was that if you, like, yell at Zeus and everything, there was a lightning bolt with your name on it, mm-hmm. right? But, I mean, God doesn't do that, you know? So... I can say I get it all the time. You know, I prayed to God and this and that. And, you know, so I, I, in other words, I didn't get tangible results or I didn't see an immediate result and stuff. Now, one of the key words that I notice in Job a lot is I. Mm-hmm. I want. I yep. demand. I expect. It has a lot of you as well, but you are correct. But, but, but you and I. True. So, and again, how many times have I caught myself in my prayer life? Little old Gordon. Saying, time. you know what, God, I want you to do this because in my mind, I think that if you would just move that over there a little bit, everything would be fine and I'd be okay. I'm giving, I'm asking him for my solution uh-huh. and stuff when I don't really even understand maybe the problem, but I think I do. One of the things that I catch myself doing all the time is starting my prayers with God I need. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but should my needs set the tone for my entire relationship with God? Maybe it should be, God, what do you desire of me? God, how do you want to work through me? 
God, how can I open up to you better? And then maybe later we'll assess my needs. But so often I catch myself and I'll stop and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to just amen out of here and and (laughs) start back over. Because, I mean, it's just, it's human. Think of ourselves first. But but also egotistical in the sense that I think that I so know. What's the difference? Egotistical human, same thing. I, I yeah, it, it, but I assume that I know what's what, what I need. How this should resolve itself. Bingo. Instead of and and the result is always what. It goes back to your wife example. One of the reasons you know I'm sitting there and and what my ex wouldn't understand and everything and I understand what you're saying is that she would start talking and I would be trying to solve it and then I would get frustrated because I'm feeling pressure mm-hmm. I'm feeling a burden that she's not putting on me she's not. and she doesn't understand my reaction when I'm getting kind of frustrated because it's like I'm giving her solutions and she isn't taking them because what am I trying to do I'm trying to get that burden off of me and and you're 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 projecting your need to fix onto her who never never looked for a solution and what is my need to fix once i fix it i can walk away and go <sighs> yeah done with that on See? to the next one and that's yeah. what my prayer life is like sometimes well god if you know if you would move these two pieces around and do this other thing then i could go <sighs> instead of the strength like you said to stay in it yeah so or to be like the soldier and show up and and say I, i'm i've got my uniform on and i'm ready to go and i'm ready to take whatever is dished out for the plan, whatever it is that you have, even without understanding it, exactly completeness. I'm 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 here to take orders, but like you say in my prayer life, so many times and, and stuff, it's like like you said in the end I have to pray, and you've probably been through this as well, you know, or in the, when I was new and stuff, I'd you know somebody I would be in a hospital, and I'd be praying, oh God, you know, save them, spare mm-hmm. them, and it occurred to me one day, we're all going home, eventually, some yeah. point, you know, my prayer is not going to come true. And who, you know, maybe God's plan is to bring him home, and I'm here telling God, fix him. Mm-hmm. Instead, and also my prayer changed to that, like, you know, if it be your will that he go home, give me the strength to not only be there with him, keep me out of the way. Yeah. You know, keep me That's out of the way. That's become my, my most frequent prayer request as I've gotten wiser. It was especially on Sunday mornings before going to the pulpit, <laughs> is God, please help help me not interfere with what you're doing yeah so and that's truly being a channel yeah, yeah that's true that's what we're called to be but i want to get in there <laughs> i'm going to channel god and put my flavor on it yeah yeah or, or, or somehow i want to like either take credit for it or something yeah. job i mean in a way job job is saying that he's you know like no i didn't do anything but there's a bit of hubris in there, and there's a bit of pride in that. No, I'm not. You see what I'm saying? No, well, I'm, it sounds a lot like Eliphaz there. <laughs> I know, but there is some of that. There's just no, no possible way. Instead of sitting there and saying, "Well, maybe there is." Yeah. You know, maybe maybe I did mess up. So we don't want to accept that either. And so, like we were saying at the beginning of this and everything, the real real struggle here is to try to, to piece together this idea of, of monotheism and one God, and God is responsible for all things. So am I, right now, even in our conversation, am I trying to manipulate things to make it so that no matter what, even if I don't understand it, God is always good, and I'm always going to twist it to good? Mm-hmm. And am I working that, or is there sometimes, or like you said, maybe God's like got his hands up and just saying, you know, sometimes things happen. Yep. You know? 
And here's the thing that I'm good at. Because here's the other thing, I will show up after this. One of the things that we humans, and and I think this is a big problem out there in the world, and like when we talked about the uh, the modernity and everything, is, like, is we want free will. Mm-hmm. We don't want the consequences. Correct. And that's where we struggle. Yes. Oh, well, I want God. I want to do something tricky. And then when it goes bad, I want God to put a bunch of feather pillows under me and catch me before I fall. Yeah. And it's like... Well, no, you know, that's not how it works. You had, you know, so I I insist on my choices. Well, accept my consequences sometimes, too. And God's really good. He says, I'll let you have your consequences, Gordon, but you'll grow from it or some, he's in a manure business. He'll make, somehow he he makes my crap produce roses somehow. That's phenomenal. That's really cool. It's not like he's running in front of me helpless, but at the same time, he's giving me my free will, but still somehow working within my will. Yeah. And to me, that's a beautiful mystery. And on that note, this is Pastor Potluck. I'm Court Green, and I thank you very much, Gordon Pike, for being with me today. I hope to have you back on soon. And we're out. Peace. <laughs>